0: Welcome back to Psychic Crime. I'm your host, Nicole Mann. I want to thank everyone for listening, and I see we have some new listeners. Thank you so much. If you want to show us some support, please give us a five-star review on whatever platform that you listen to us on. This really helps us out and helps get us on those recommended lists that you might see on the front pages of those platforms. You can also uh, help us out by dropping by our Patreon page or you can make a one-time donation through Venmo. I'll post the links in the description below. This week, we are going to look into the case of an Irish national who married into the wrong family. The case that we are dealing with deals with something called bipolar rumination. Depression and bipolar disorder has long been thought to be a state characterized by mental inactivity, however, recent research demonstrates that patients with bipolar disorder engage in something called rumination a form of self-focused repetitive cognitive activity in depression as well as manic states while rumination has long been associated with depressive states and major depressive disorder the finding that patients with bipolar disorder ruminate in manic states is unique to bipolar disorder and challenges explanations about why people ruminate. Rumination represents a behavioral and intentional style of responding to negative effects or depressed moods. Thus, rumination is distinguished from such problems as indecisiveness, as well as a set of recurrent thoughts about death and suicide. Similarly, Rumination is distinguished from dysfunctional attitudes which are a set of general beliefs about oneself, the world, and the future which are negatively based as opposed to a means of responding to negativity. In fact, dysfunctional attitudes are thought to be present in individuals at risk for depression when they are not in a negative or negatively affected state. Now, Jason Corbett was, the, was a father to Jack 2 and Sarah 12 weeks when in 2006, their mother died of an asthma attack. Struggling to raise two children, he posted an online ad for a full-time nanny. A response came from Molly Martins, a young woman from Knoxville, Tennessee. She was reportedly a former model and competitive swimmer. Molly moved in with the family in Ireland in 2008. Unbeknownst to Jason, Molly had just ended a volatile relationship with Keith Mannion. Molly told him she was bipolar early on, but that she was well-regulated on her medication. At times, however, she would go off her medication and they would have explosive arguments. She became possessive and clingy. Molly would lock herself in their bedroom and cry for days. Keith did not want to have children due to the couple's strained financial and emotional state. Molly claimed to agree. However, Keith would find her birth control only to realize she wasn't taking it. She ended up getting pregnant. Keith started to believe that Molly had gotten pregnant on purpose. Molly had always stated that children would be the only thing that would truly make her happy. Keith felt due to the amount of medications Molly was taking, it could have a negative effect on the baby. And unfortunately, he was right and Molly miscarried. Then one day, a few weeks later, Molly said she was thinking of going to Ireland to work as a nanny. Keith thought nothing of it. She came up with wild schemes all the time, but this time she followed through. The next thing Keith knew, weeks turned into months, and he never heard from her again. A romance had developed between Molly and Jason, the father that she nannied for, and three years later in 2011, she ended up marrying him. His company offered him a transfer to a job at a packing company in Lexington, North Carolina, not far from Winston-Salem. So Corbett, his two young children and his new wife moved into a brick home on a cul-de-sac in a golf community. Early on, there were problems. Molly claimed that she had known the children's mother when she was alive and dying of cancer. The children's mother died of an asthma attack. She had also told the mother's friends that she had wanted Molly to be their guardian. Before the wedding, Jason's family were disturbed by the claims that she had made about Jason's former wife and voiced concerns about the inconsistencies in her background. To some, she said she was a former cheerleader. To others, a former teacher. Jason's family begged him not to go forward with the wedding. Jason admitted that they were having issues, but left it at that and stated that he didn't want to break his children's hearts, referring to the bond that had formed between his children and Molly. Jason went ahead with the wedding, but after four years, things began to fall apart. Jason began to talk about moving home to Ireland. Jason wasn't comfortable with Molly's mental health issues. One of the major issues between the couple was the fact that Jason refused to allow Molly to adopt the children. Jason told his family that after the things Molly had made up about the children's mother, he didn't feel comfortable with the idea of her having sole custody of the children, which is exactly what would happen if he died and he let her adopt them. So instead, he named his sister Tracy their legal guardian in the event that something were to happen to him. And ironically, it did. Unbeknownst to Jason, Molly had begun recording their fights and telling friends he was abusing her and forcing her into sexual situations she was not comfortable with. She had also seen a lawyer behind his back to find out what, if any, rights she had to the children. And on August 2nd, 2015, the police received a seemingly frantic 911 call. This 911 call. Um,
1: my name is Tom Martins. I'm at 160 Panther Creek Court. and we need help. Okay. What's um, going on there? My my uh, daughter's husband, um, my son-in-law um, got in a fight with my daughter. I intervened, and I I think um, he's in bad shape. We need help. Okay. What do you mean he's in bad shape? He's hurt? He's, he's bleeding all over, and I, I may have killed him. You know? All right. Okay. Let's, um, back up for you just a minute. Give me your address again, make sure I got it right. 160 Enter uh-huh. Creek Court. What is your name? My name is Tom Margin. All right, Tom, give me the phone number you're calling from. Two times, please. I, I don't know. Uh, what's the phone number I'm calling from? I, I, I don't know. I'm sorry, I don't know. I'm, I'm the uh, father. I'm visiting. Uh, I, I don't know. Was he drinking? Uh, yes, he had been drinking during the course of the day. No. My partner's dispatching the, the uh, ambulance in the office while I get the information. Okay. Alright, are you right with him now? I am. How old is he? How old is he? 39. All right. Is he conscious at all? No. Is he breathing? I no, no, can't tell. All right. What I need for you to do is I need someone to roll him onto his back, flat on his back. Okay. Hang on. He's a big, heavy man. I can't do it. All right. Is there anyone there that can help? You. My daughter, and she's in terrible shape. Okay, so we needs to get him on the back, on his back. We need to verify his breathing. I'm trying, lady. Hang okay, on. just put the phone on on the speaker. Okay, I've got uh, him rolled over. All right, I want you to put one hand under his neck, the other hand on his forehead, and tilt his head back. Put your ear next to his mouth and tell me if you can see or hear or feel any breathing. Yes. I, I can't see any no. All right, I'm sending the paramedics and ambulance to help you now. Stay on the line. Okay. All right. Tell me what happened. Did you hit him in the head, or I hit him in the head with what? With a baseball bat. With a baseball bat. Yes, ma'am. He was choking. He was choking my daughter. He said, "I'm going to kill her."
0: Now that does not sound like a frantic man. A man who just broke up a horrendous fight. The man is Tom Martin's, Molly's dad. A 30 year FBI veteran who had been spending the night at Molly and Jason's home. After being awakened by what he told the police was a commotion, he grabbed an aluminum little league baseball bat he had brought as a gift for the kids and ran to her room. Tom told the police that he saw Jason strangling Molly. Martin says that his protective instincts as a father instantly kicked in and he began to hit him with a baseball bat. Tom goes on to tell the police that he reached out and he grabs the baseball bat. He's stronger than me. He pushes me down. I was scrambling on the floor. My glasses fell off. And now I'm thinking he's gonna kill me. He's gonna kill me. Molly, however, is telling the Davidson County Sheriff's Investigator a very similar story. He tried to hit my dad, I think, but he might've missed and uh, I hit him in the head. She hit Jason with a paving stone that was sitting on the nightstand. So the police asked her a perfectly reasonable question. Why'd you have a brick on your nightstand? Molly told the detectives that she and the children were going to paint the bricks. Now, mind you, Tom admitted to the police after he got the bat back, he could not remember how many additional times he hit Jason. In Ireland, Jason's sister Tracy Lynch still cannot comprehend that he had died this way and was already preparing to fight for the children. Tracy was actually afraid that in Molly's unstable frame of mind, she may harm the children as well. Upon arriving in the United States, Tracy immediately filed for custody. Molly immediately counterfiled as well. On top of dealing with a custody battle, Molly sent Tracy a bill for the removal of James' body from the home. That's right. Molly sent Tracy the ambulance bill for the removal of his body from the house. And on top of that, the body was moved multiple times, so it was nearly impossible for Tracy to see James's body and say goodbye. Also, she was not allowed to speak to the children. Eventually, Tom's wife, Sharon, broke down and allowed her to Skype with them. It was a very short, controlled conversation. Four days after the murder, the children who had been denied contact with anyone except through that closely monitored Skype conversation, were interviewed by a social worker. They claimed to have been ab- to see abuse once or twice, as Jack put it. Sarah said that dad was a very angry man and backed up the story about why the brick was in the bedroom, but, The children were put into Tracy's care shortly after, given the fact that she was named in a legal document created by Jason and an attorney as their legal guardian. Tom and Molly were given what turned out to be their last visit, and just two weeks after Jason's death, Tracy was granted legal custody and the children were returned to Ireland. During all of this, a murder investigation had begun, even though Molly had initially been told it looked like a straight-up self-defense case. And just five months after Jason's death, Molly and Tom, a 30-year FBI veteran, were charged with murder. Now that the children were out from under Molly's thumb, they began to recant their earlier stories. Jack even detailed to an American interviewer how Molly had fed him stories and told him that he would be taken away and would never see any of his family again if he did not repeat the stories that she had told him. When the trial started in September of 2017, Tracy learned that James had been hit so many times and so hard that the medical examiner couldn't even determine the exact number of blows. James's scalp had been torn completely from his head. The blood spatter pattern showed that James was dead by the time that Tom had stopped swinging the bat. Also, Molly had had a delicate gold bracelet on her wrist that was left completely intact and on her arm. If she had been in a violent struggle for her life, the bracelet would have been torn from her body. She also did not have a scratch on her. It took the jury only three hours to find both Molly and Tom guilty of second degree murder. The defense filed an appeal based on multiple trial errors. One being the fact that the children's interview by a social worker was not allowed in. Oral arguments in the appeal was heard in January of 2019. As of this recording in June 2019, the appeals court had not yet ruled. However, in a bizarre turn, Tracy, Jason's sister, had to file a wrongful death lawsuit upon learning that Molly, had been made the sole beneficiary of Jason's life insurance shortly before he died. Now, here in the United States, we have a law that states that you can't profit from your own crime. So normally, if you're the beneficiary of a life insurance policy of a person you murdered, the policy becomes void because it's illegal for you to make a profit off of a crime. That law actually came about when in the 80s, many criminals were writing books and making uh, millions of dollars off of these book deals and movies about their crimes. And so they made it illegal for you to make money off of your uh, profit off of your crimes. But this life insurance policy was actually taken out by Jason in Ireland. And so Molly is able to still be the beneficiary because they don't have a law like that. So they sued for wrongful death in order to try and get the money back for the children. So the change, they also found out during the course of the lawsuit that the changes were made not only shortly before his death, changing it from the children to Molly, but all the changes were made online. According to documents, there's no, uh, they were able to make a settlement and no one is um, admitting any negligence or wrongdoing, um, not Thomas Martins, Sharon Martins, or Molly Corbett. Um, As part of the settlement, the Martins are going to pay $180,000 State Farm, the insurance company, is gonna pay $20,000. After subtracting attorney fees and litigation costs, approximately $149,000 will be deposited into the Children's Trust Fund, and another $601,000 will be deposited into a trust fund from the life insurance policy, which Molly Corbett chose to relinquish all of her claims from. Um, she determined that it was in the best interest of the children. So that's it for this week's um, episode of Psych Your Crime. Uh, tune in for the next episode. Um, I'm actually gonna try and do that in the next couple of days. Uh, I was a little, little late Um, I started a new job, so I was running behind uh, learning my new job and catching up. So I'm actually going to give you an additional episode this week. I'm going to have it for you on Saturday. Uh, So tune in on Saturday when we look into the case of a young teenager who decided to take things a little bit too far when his parents told him something that he did not want to hear. So in the meantime... I hope you see better, knowing the how and why people do such awful things.